0: Guys, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. I am your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset, your behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. So here we are on episode 60 on last week's show i was speaking to ellie Mackay and her husband uh, well about her story with her husband and their journey and building a property business in just the last three years and how she leveraged linkedin to do that and uh, it's quite interesting how she was able to raise so much money from investors just through the linkedin connection so you should definitely go back and listen to episode 59 if you haven't already first of all i'd like to welcome you all and i would like to say happy father's day that's right today as i'm recording this it is father's day and i've had a great day with my kids and uh, now i'm in the office all on my own doing this little podcast and uh with me on my own today i thought what i'd do is actually give you guys a bit of a an update on project that i'm working on and just a couple of other bits and pieces that have come to mind in the last uh, week or so first of all I want to get into a, a bit of a warning for you newbies out there and it's just to, to thread carefully and um, I'm bringing this up because during the week I got a, a question in on uh, Facebook and it involved commercial property and somebody suggested I could help this person and so I'm more than happy to help kind of jumped in and um this person is clearly at the beginning of their journey and they were kind of they were presented with a commercial opportunity and they were very interested in getting involved in it and it was part of their overall plan to get into commercial property so they asked me you know what uh, i should what they should look out for so i just answered with a couple of very basic um questions and i just kind of highlighted a couple of things that they should watch out for and the person came back you know really grateful and thanked me for highlighting a number of things that he hadn't have thought of and I was just thinking about it afterwards like I really didn't say very much at all like it was a very short answer that I gave and the fact that he hadn't actually thought about these things these most basic questions that I was asking I kind of suddenly realized whoa you know this guy was way out of his depth and the fact that he is looking at getting into commercial property at this stage of his journey I just worried that This person is at serious risk of A, either being exploited or B, making a very serious mistake. Now, commercial property, as you guys, anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while knows that I've done um, very, very well on commercial property, but I've also lost a lot of money on commercial property. It can be extremely lucrative when you get it right, but if you get it wrong, it can sink you or at the very least, it'll take you years to get out of a bad mistake. And so um, I just think that you really need to make sure that you know what you're doing. And as I've been preparing to launch my own mastermind program, I've been doing a lot of research on the other programs that are out there and the kind of the different prices and the different things that they cover and stuff. And it's just incredible what's out there. I mean, the amount of money that some people are charging for this kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, I mean, the, the lessons that are out there are lessons that you pick up as you go along. And it seems to me that an awful lot of the programs, really all that they're there to do is to give you confidence to kind of dive into the market. And, um, you know, and that's a good thing, I guess, because as I say in this podcast, the mindset is everything. And the difference between, you know, jumping into a deal and making 10 grand and jumping into a deal and making, you know, 10 million there's not really a great deal of difference. It's it's the mindset that you bring to it, the complexities. There are different complexities when you get into commercial versus residential and stuff. But once you've done a commercial deal of, you know, a certain size, a kind of small enough size, then, you know, the bigger ones aren't that different. And so your confidence builds as you go along. And it seems to me that a lot of these kind of programs and masterminds, it's all about just... Injecting you with confidence so you can go out there and actually make a decision. Um, but I just, I just want you guys to anyone who's starting out. Obviously, there's a there's a different range of people listening here today, and so this may not apply to you. But to those of you who are going to starting out, just thread carefully. Don't dive into an area of the market that you're not completely clear about. And um, you could spend five years trying to fix the mess. So just take it easy and make sure that you're kind of being careful um, big strong motivation for me in starting this podcast was to help those of you that are starting out from from doing something foolish and ending up in a very dark and stressful place as I did back after 2008 and it took me quite a few years to dig myself out of the hole that I had created and I mean I was fortunate enough to be strong and um, you know mentally kind of able to kind of deal with that. But a, quite a few people that I knew um, didn't make through those kind of difficult times. And a few of people like made, made the kind of the toughest decision um, to kind of end their lives and stuff like that. So it's been quite a traumatic kind of uh, experience seeing that um, and, and, and seeing friends and stuff like that die. So you just got to be really careful. Do not get into it um, unless you're pretty clear what you're doing. Anyway, enough of the rant Today I'm going to bring you up to date on a commercial not a commercial on a residential project. I know I talk about commercial a lot, but actually I'm working on a residential program at, uh, project at the moment. And um we've been we've been kind of looking at this site for quite a while. And so I thought I'd just dive in and give you a little bit more detail. And those of you following my social media you may have seen me posting some photographs of the construction that's going on at this site. And so I just thought, why don't I gonna fill you in on a little bit of the detail behind the project so that uh, you have a little bit more um, information and you can just kind to see why we made the decisions that we did. And uh, it might just give you guys a little bit of an eye-opener as to some of the decisions. Some of this is, seems basic enough, but as I kind of find out that people who are kind of starting out what seems basic to the more experienced people is actually all new to the to the people starting out so this is our project in Shank Hill uh, Shank Hill is a, a South Dublin um, suburb and um, it's, a, it's a lovely little village called Shank Hill it's near to a town called Bray I actually went to school in that area so I know it quite well the site itself is about 2.6 acres of land zoned residential. And we've been watching this site for four or five years because we actually built a housing scheme right next door. Um, and when we when we were building the housing scheme next door, we got to know the owners of this site um, and we, we built them a connection so that they could connect into the main sewers across our land and stuff like that. And I just wanted to kind of pause for a second and mention just that, I've I've talked about the different ores in in this business and relationships and reputation are one. And just it just shows you how you know building a relationship with the adjoining neighbors and having kind of a good reputation and doing them a favor not kind of screwing them over for a connection and things like that ultimately the long road uh, you end up having a good relationship with these guys and when they wanted to sell the site We were the preference for them to sell it to because we had this existing relationship, we'd worked with them and it was ours to lose. I mean, obviously we could have underbid or something like that and they might have wanted more. But the reality is, is that relationships stand to you and your reputation stands to you a lot more than financial gain and stuff like that in in many cases. Anyway, this is um, in terms of site selection, this site has some fantastic attributes, and I thought I'd just go into some of them so you can have an idea as to, if you're ever looking at buying a site or developing a site or something like that, here's some of the things that we look for when we're doing it. First of all, transport links. How convenient is it to get to and from this location? Now, in this particular case, it's really, really well served. We have got a, a bus stop that is about a five minute walk from the site itself. And the bus, uh, there's a bus going by every, I I mean, I saw it, it was about every five minutes or something like that. And it's it's a main bus that goes right into the city center and it's literally every five, maybe eight minutes. So super convenient in that regards. There is a commuter train station that kind of runs just a little bit further away, but probably about a 15 minute walk away from the site. And so you can go on the train right to the other side of the city. You can right, go right to the north of the city if you want, and it's not a long it's not a long distance to walk to it. And those those are fairly regular trains as well. There's also a very good motorway network right next door to this area. So within I suppose three minutes of driving, you're actually onto the motorway, and you can be basically straight into the motorway network very very quickly. So those three. Are immediately winners and then the last thing is that the there's a there's a tram line that has been built in the last kind of decade in Ireland in, in Dublin called Lewis and um, the Lewis stops not too far away from this location but actually I've been looking at the news and there's plans to extend the Lewis to that town of Bray that I mentioned earlier and when it does that it'll actually have a stop very very close like literally three or four minutes away from the site as well so the future looks good in terms of transport and that just really really pinpoints that location as being good anyone who is going to have you know teenagers want to come and go um, easily on the bus anyone who wants to be able to get into work easily you got the train you got the bus you got all these different options you can obviously drive as well so that all goes into the sort of the memory banks and people kind of think to themselves, oh that's a great location like to be there the next thing is the amenities of the immediate area and that is something that this site really has great it's the actual location uh, the area is very very nice kind of leafy suburb Um, lots of trees lots of green grass you've got the mountains you can actually see the mountains in the distance there's only about four kilometers to to the mountains if you want to go walking and stuff And um, there's a Lidl supermarket, so that basically the groceries and all that are only a seven minute walk away. We've also got a Tesco Express that is about a 10 minute walk away. And then you've got the actual village itself, which is made up of lots of different shops. And so you've got the doctor's office, uh, you've got the dentist, you've got the, uh, the flower shop, the post office, you know, whatever it is that you need, you'll find it in the village there. And then there are two schools literally next door. The site is actually, one of the neighbours of the site is a school and across the street is another school. So, I mean, the amenities are just everywhere and there's a library just around the corner as well. So super convenient. And I was kind of joking with my wife when we were sort of saying, It's a good, for me, the best test um, for a site, for whether the site makes sense or not, is to ask her and if she likes the area, if she likes the site and all that, if she was prepared to kind of move into the area, then you needn't look any further. That's what most people are gonna think pretty quickly. And so immediately thought to myself, yeah, yeah, we're onto a winner with this location. So the site was bought um, subject to planning. Now, anyone who's not familiar with that term, it basically means that you agree a price with the owners, um, based on what you hope in you'll get, in the event that you secure planning permission. Now we got our architects and our engineers and all of the different consultants and stuff required to do that, and we did it all entirely at our you know, at our risk. So we paid for all of that. This didn't cost the owners of the site a penny, and in the event that. We didn't achieve, say, the planning permission that we wanted, say, if it delivered few, too few houses or too few units for our liking, we would, could walk away from the project, but they would have the benefit of a scheme on the land, and it would mean that um you know they've they it's not been a completely wasted journey for them they've saved themselves quite a lot of money in terms of the professional expenses and stuff but from our point of view it means we know exactly what we're getting before we actually pay for the site and the th- that means that we've de-risked for ourselves because you could go and make an assumption that the site is going to achieve so much pay a price based on that and then find that well, you know, the planners actually totally disagreed, and it's you know, it's less than half of what we thought. And that would be a major, a major, you know, you just can't make money if you overpay for a site. It doesn't matter because you'll try and lift your prices and you'll try and charge extra for the units. The units in a certain area are always going to have a certain price that they that the market was willing to kind of go to, and that's it. You can't get it back if you overpay. So owner had no risk. We limited our risks by doing that, and so it was a good deal for everyone, pretty much. The permission that we got was for uh, 54 units in total, and that's broken into 14 houses, and then there's four blocks of units, and there's 40 units in those. Now, the, the split, um, or the mix of that, there's mostly two and three bedroom houses. Uh, well, sorry, let me just break it into this. So So the, the houses that are built, are predominantly three-bedroom semi-detached houses, but there are three, four-bedroom houses. And that's just part of the mix that, you know. Coming up with the mix, I'll go into that, but first I'll just finish on the blocks then. What we've actually got is we have two-bedroomed apartments that are kind of on the ground floor with their own hall door to the, to the front. And then you can go up a staircase to the next level, and then there's a hall door for um, duplexes, and those are three-bedroom duplexes. And so in total, there are 40 of them. And the mix, coming up with this mix and why did we choose this number instead of you know, a different number? That takes a lot of consultation and there's quite a few numbers of people involved in this. So we would have consulted with the, with the selling agents and those are the people that, typically the people that bring you the site, um, they, you know, they've, they've helped you find the site or whatever, they're the ones that typically will get the job to sort of sell the site. And, uh, or certainly you'll be looking for somebody who's kind of got a good team in that area and they, they've got, you know, a, the ability to sell the units for you. But you'd bring them on board nice and early and you would want to know what's selling, um, what's, you know, what's in demand at the moment. What are, you know, what are selling like hotcakes, what are sitting around and not selling so well. What are the prices that those, you know, hotcakes are selling for versus the other prices and you go through this whole kind of exercise where you you know you know, you, you know what the planning um that the local authority expects on the site they will have a certain zoning and they'll say there has to be so many units per acre and you need to kind of meet that uh, number but how you achieve that is very 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 kind of much a moving target because you could put all two bedrooms in and then find that you've built too many two bedrooms. You could put in all four bedrooms and you can find that nobody wants to buy four bedrooms that there's there's much much more demand for the lower for the smaller size. So it's very very careful, very important that you work carefully with combination of your architect who knows what the planners want with your selling agents who know what in demand and what's kind of the prices that they can sell and then you need to have either your contractor or in our case we have an in-house team and you need to work with them to figure out what it's going to cost to deliver that because what we will do typically is draw up multiple schemes and those schemes will have the different mixes so you'll have some schemes that have x number of two beds x number of three beds um, you'll have a mix that's maybe more houses than unit than blocks, and then you'll have a, a different scheme with more blocks than houses. And you go through the numbers and you crunch the numbers based on how much it'll cost to build these, what's the you know ultimate sales price of everything, less the cost of building it, and you might do five, six, seven different schemes and compare how they all look, and you'll come up with one eventually that everyone kind of agrees on is the the way forward. And once you've got that dialed in, you actually finalize your permission drawings and all that, and you send it in, you lodge it with the local authority, and hopefully within sort of eight, 12 weeks, whatever it is, you'll have your results back, and you'll have a scheme that you're happy to um, go ahead and start building. Most of the time, we would do so in consultation with the local authorities. So you don't just submit a plan with no idea whether it's going to be received well. Usually you'll have had that meeting. The architect will come back and say, yeah, this is what they want. Anyway, that's the process that we went to actually kind of get to the point where we now have the site. The site had an old house. Old house got demolished. Lots of trees on this house. It's quite an old house. You know, the house was probably over 100 years old and there was a number of trees. Most of them have been retained. And that, again, is part of a consultation with the local authority. They don't want to see, you know, the place leveled in order to kind of fill it right to the edges of the site. And so you do have to work carefully with the local authority. And also, this will actually look good ultimately when the scheme is finished. It'll actually have a mature look to it and people won't be sort of feeling like they're sort of out in the middle of a road. They'll actually feel like they're, they're nicely they're looking out on trees. There's a nice outlook and all of that kind of stuff. The site mostly flat, which is a good thing, and not much rock. If you've got rock in the on the site, it can be very expensive to break and remove rock. And so, if you're putting in any kind of um, level changes and stuff like that to actually fit in whatever you're trying to do, if you suddenly discover rock, it can be it can be a completely unknown. You just don't know what your costs are going to come in at in that regard. Um, phasing is the next consideration, and what you when I like talk about phasing, this is where there's a massive difference between selling apartments and selling houses. With houses, what you can do is you can build so many and they might be at the front of the site. So in this particular case, as you're driving along, you'll see when when we're finished building these seven first houses, you'll actually have seven houses built, finished, gardens done, driveways in, plants and everything like that. It'll be completely finished as far as purchasers are looking at and what we'll be able to do is use one of them as our show house and then we'll be able to sell the other six and you actually go you can you can go ahead and you can sell the the show house as well but typically you want to keep that because it's going to be your showcase for the rest of the development and it'll help you sell it but the great thing about phasing it is that you can actually get build and you can sell and you can actually get all of the money for these sales back in while you're still under construction with the other units deeper into the site and what that means is that you're actually able to cash flow this project much better than you would if for example you were building a big apartment block like if you're building a huge apartment block you have to go and outlay the entire cost and you can't get any of the money back until that entire building is completely finished And when it's completely finished, then you can get the money in. But you just don't know what the market might be doing, you know, doing at the end of two year construction period. And so you might be trying to sell uh, over 100 units into a very, very difficult market. And so the phasing of the scheme is a real benefit, allows you to sell off a number of units. I mean, the first units that we are, we've only just cleared the site and already we have the foundations in for the first seven houses. And we have already started block laying um, on the first house. And so by December of this year, so it's, it's, it's June as I'm recording this, middle of June. By December, this will be finished and handed over. And so six months from now, the first houses will be finished, handed over. We'll have our first couple of sales in the bag. That money comes in. It helps us to keep our borrowing down because we'll be building the blocks deeper into the site. Anyway. Uh, the sequential manner that you do this allows you to close sales as you go and you go deeper into the site. So the people that are buying the newest units are not living in the middle of a dusty uh, construction site. You kind of go further in. Um, try to anyway. That's the way it kind of gets done. And also there's construction traffic and stuff that you have to be cognizant of. You don't want people that have bought their new houses to be driving in and passing huge big you know, trucks with cement lorries and things like that. Anyway, I've talked about just the difference, the risk between the big blocks. And um, one of the reasons, and it's actually kind of a hot topic at the moment here in Ireland. um, One of the reasons that there are big um, investment funds from America and Germany and England and all this kind of stuff that are in the Irish market buying up blocks of apartments is because, um, well, for them, it's a great annuity and they can just put it in like a pension fund. But for the developer who's selling it, it makes huge sense because you got to go and borrow, you know, you go to a bank and say, I'd like to borrow 35 million. And, and they'd be asking like, when are you going to be able to kind of pay us back? And you're, well, you know, I'm going to have 100 apartments to sell. Um, so it'll take as long as it takes to sell 100 apartments. The bank are not too interested in that. Um, whereas if you go and do a deal with one of these big funds, you can say, right, this fund has agreed to take 105 units or 120 units, whatever it is, Lock, stock and barrel. Here's the contract. It's all signed. It's all agreed. We just need to finish the construction project. And then here's what the amount of money that we're going to get. And so that is what's happening now. It's obviously it is a hot topic at the moment because we have housing shortage and people are not happy that these big funds are in buying up all these things. But frankly it's the way things are being financed now because the good old days of you know going to your bank and borrowing money and them being kind of easy to deal with are gone these a lot of banks now are extremely difficult to deal with and extre- extremely risk averse so they're not interested in you know lending you a ton of money and that you don't have a definite date for the repayment of and so you just got to be careful about dealing with banks and stuff and if the the better that you can de-risk your project by getting Uh, forward selling it or you know getting into a contract that you have an exit uh, nicely you know planned out way way before you actually borrow the money that helps a lot anyway we we've put in the foundations block work started Um, big issue that we're suffering from at the moment is it's it's due to covid and the hangover from covid and the delays and the demand and everything like that and the restrictions there's actually a real real increase in labor costs in the last couple of months like stuff that we budgeted for has gone massively over and um you know we're dealing with different trades that are coming in to do jobs and stuff and they're looking for much much more than we had initially planned also materials are really getting very very expensive i mean if anyone who's following the news and stuff will be aware that america is now building and they're starting to buy up lumber. Um, most of the houses in the US are built in wood, whereas we use brick and blocks and stuff here in Europe. And um, because of that, the American market seems to be sucking up all of the lumber that's uh, coming out of Scandinavia and places. And that is a big problem, and it's actually driven up the price of lumber, and it's actually making it you know, quite difficult to get a hold of. Then in addition to that, we've got equipment delays. And just one example, we have this um, concrete silo that you put on the site and, and that allows you to keep concrete available in your on your site. You don't need cement lorries to come. You can just pour it as you need it. But um, we actually are looking to have two of them on the site in order to kind of perform the, the, the development the way we want and we've not been able to get any now. Thankfully, we had one from another site and we've just literally transported it over and so the site now has a silo. But had we not had that... Um, available to us, we were not gonna be able to start on site um, at the moment. And it's a real problem. And I actually can see my own prediction is that we're looking at some, probably some pretty serious inflation on the horizon because of the way the market is just, there's so many demand, like you can see house prices are going up. Now the the cost of house prices are gonna probably go up because of the cost of this labor, this materials, all this stuff. And then you've got the amount of money that the government has been putting into the economy to kind of keep it afloat. So I don't know, I'm, I'm just a bit nervous now about uh, this inflation being a bit of an issue. And uh, so look, if this has been interested, I'm actually providing a monthly video update. If you guys wanna see the site itself, I've got you know drone flights over the site and I'm, I'm giving kind of like, I actually record video weekly, but I'm gonna make a monthly video where I can compile it all. And you can find that on my YouTube channel, Gavin J. Gallagher. And so my final thought for today is, I've just been reading a book or listening to a book. I actually have both the book and the audio or the audible version. And uh, so I've been listening to a book called The One Thing. And the authors are a guy called Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. And I gotta say, it is an excellent book. And it's one of those books that, it just makes you kind of sit up and think about the way you're doing things. And in my case, I mean, tons of value in this book. And one of the things that really sort of stood out immediately, it's a great question you just ask yourself, and they call it the focusing question. And that is like, what is the one thing that I can do today uh, that by doing so, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary? And it just means that when you're thinking about your day ahead, instead of thinking, you know, instead of getting out a piece of paper and having a list of to-dos and say, right, I've got to do, you know, all these 20 things, there is one thing on that, that should be on your list, and that is the priority of the day, and that is the most important thing that will have the biggest impact on everything else. Now, you, you might have a one thing in business, you might have a one thing for your personal life, you might have a one thing for your health and your relationships or whatever, but say for example in business, I arrive into work and often I'll have a to-do list with 20 things on it, and so I'm immediately feeling overwhelmed And what this book is kind of pointing you to is that you've got to identify what is the one thing that would make the major, major difference to your business and focus on that and block out a load of time to do that one thing really, really well and just make, you know, usually you'll find that these one things that 20% of the work produces 80% of the results and and so it's quite interesting it's just a thought-provoking book and i really do think it's worth they, they point out things like multitasking is just is a myth and and you shouldn't be working on those things because your mind doesn't work that way and i know myself that you know i'm i'm guilty of juggling all the time spinning multiple plates so this whole discipline of time blocking figuring out what's your purpose What's the priority of the day? And then getting really productive. And that means just doing one thing at a time and getting it done really, really well. Don't be switching tasks, trying to do your email at the same time as you're doing your you know, reading or whatever. All of this stuff just puts you behind. So look, really excellent book. I'm gonna put a, sh- a link in the show notes so that you guys can find it if you're interested. But I do recommend you pick up a copy and uh, give it a read. So look, that's it, guys. I, um, I just thought I'd give you a little bit of that update Uh, that is it for episode 60 uh, of Behind the Facade I can't believe we're at episode 60 already thank you so much for listening as always my number one ask is for you to leave a review or simply share the episode out with anyone you think might benefit from it in the show notes as I mentioned I'm going to put the book but there'll be um, I might put a couple of links as well to my uh, to my YouTube channel and to some of the social media stuff that I'm doing around that new project uh, if you have any questions or topics, please um, connect with me via the Facebook group behind the facade community. And as I mentioned already, my Gavin J. Gallagher YouTube is also the same way as I do my social media. So you'll find me out there on Instagram and various other things using the social media handle Gavin J. Gallagher. And my website, lo and behold, gavanjgallagher.com. And if you go to Gavin J Gallagher forward slash, go or dot com forward slash go you will find uh, a link to my email list and if you go on the email list you're going to get the latest updates from me and what the most important thing that I'm current, currently the one thing I'm working on at the moment is the mastermind that I'm putting together which I'm hoping to start sometime in July and it's um it's interesting it's a really it's been a really interesting exercise just looking at what's out there and um, I'm hoping that the The way that I'm gonna do this is gonna be quite different and uh, it's going to be, I think it's gonna be a pretty competitive package. It's gonna be something that a lot of these other guys out there that are doing it may not be too happy about because um, the pricing will be quite different to theirs. So anyway guys, wish you all the best week ahead and uh, speak to you next week.